welcome to Homeowner AF. We have Melissa Douglas here today, and she's going to chat to us a little bit about her own journey as an entrepreneur and also how to protect ourselves as people buying homes. And maybe we might be in a bit of a sticky situation in a relationship. We want to ensure that we are moving forward in our best in the best way we can legally. So that's what Melissa is coming to impart some knowledge onto us. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. My pleasure. I want to start a little bit. I do know that you practice in Barrie, which is close to me. I am in Muskoka here, but I want to hear a little bit about the origin story. I have a lot of entrepreneurs on the podcast, and I love to hear kind of the trajectory of when the idea started to where we are now. How do we get here? Oh, it's been a fun ride. Um, I always knew that I wanted to have something that was my own. Um, I had such great opportunities that came to me early on in my career. When I graduated from university, I really just wanted to get my foot in the door with um, a law firm, but I didn't have any experience. And everywhere that you apply, they all require experience. So I took a year off before going to law school and I literally sent my resume out to maybe 35 different law firms just for volunteer work. And out of all of the firms that I applied to, only one of them called me back and they had an opening for an actual position as a receptionist. And I went to the interview. I was so nervous because I didn't have any experience, but I guess they liked me and I ended up getting the position and I was so happy. So I started off doing reception work um, and some legal assistant work at that law firm. And after being there for one year, I was saving up my money to go to law school. So then I ended up going to law school. They knew what all what my goals were to eventually become a lawyer. And they were so supportive, which I really appreciated. So when I went away for law school, I went to school in England. Um, when I would come back in the winters and the summers, they took me back. So I got more experience uh, during that time. And I was very fortunate. So when I got uh, my, uh, when I finished school over in England and I moved back permanently uh, here in uh, Ontario, they took me back. So again, I was very lucky. I did my articling with them and learning more and more and more. And this was all in family law. So this is where I got all of my family law experience. But as much as I like family law, it's a great area of law. I just felt like I really wanted to learn something else and just broaden my knowledge. And I've always had an interest in real estate. And it just so happens that there was a law firm just down the street from where I was living in Barrie at the time they had an opening for a lawyer. And it's so funny because on the bus to work every day, I would pass by this law firm and I always wanted to work there. I don't know what it was. I just, I want to work there. And then I saw the opening and I was like, oh my God. So I applied. I know I was so ecstatic. So I, I did apply and I got the job <laughs> and I had no experience in real estate, but he's like, it's okay. We'll, we'll teach you. I had a lot of ambition and I, I told him like, you know, you show me something once and I'm, I'm going to get it. Like I'm willing to put in the work. Um, I had a great opportunity there because he was eventually looking to, you know, retire at some point. And um, it was a great opportunity for me to get a lot of experience from somebody who was super knowledgeable. And then, you know, 
help run the place and do things as he was trying to um, scale down. So I had such an amazing opportunity. I learned so much there. I was there for about a year and a half. Um, But like I said, I was very ambitious and I had plans that I wanted to open another office location. I approached him about it because I grew up in Vaughan and I have a lot of connections there and I was networking and meeting a lot of mortgage brokers and real estate agents on my own and building up my own network because he had his network. But at the same time, I wanted to make a name for myself and have my own like sphere of people. And he wasn't really keen on the idea of me opening up another office. And I don't know, I just, you know, I just felt a little bit held back. And like, I I just needed to do more. So I left and I opened up my own firm. And that was February, February 14th, 2018 on Valentine's Day. That's when I officially opened. (laughs) And um, ever since then, it was me and my boyfriend at the time, now husband, he has a business background himself and he has his own company, but he still helps me run this company too, like all the back end IT and he helps with marketing. So it was kind of him and I that um, just basically started from scratch and just kind of built everything up. And here we are five years later, we have about 20 staff now and we have three office locations and it's been nonstop working, <laughs> but I love it. It's great. I, I love what I do. I would much rather be self-employed than anything else. Um, as much as a headache and hard times, there's been nights where I cry and like want to rip my hair out. I would do nothing different. That's amazing. And if you don't mind, what I gleaned from your uh, your story is your, you seem so adept at finding opportunity which I think is such a a strength, but also something that runs throughout, especially female entrepreneurs. And uh, you seem calculated in a good way in the way that you're making decisions, whether to stay or leave and what serves you in your business. And I think that's something that's really admirable. So congratulations on your success. And to be clear, you're operating out of Vaughn, Barrie and Bradford. And Bradford. Wow. Busy, I bet. Very, very busy. (laughs) So, Melissa, that's where you came from. Now, I'd like to ask you a little bit about, especially from a first-time homebuyer's perspective, what to expect when you walk into a lawyer's office. I know um, for a lot of first-time homebuyers, it's difficult just speaking about finances. And then if you've never had any interaction with a lawyer, it's a whole nother kind of can of worms that people are really unfamiliar with. And a lot of times as the mortgage agent, I get asked a lot about the process of what happens at the lawyer's office. And I can office and I can people what to prefer. But it would be really helpful if you could give us a little bit of insight about what actually happens at signing. Yeah, so I always know straight off the bat, if you're a first time home buyer, you're going to require a little bit more hand holding, which I know my team knows as well, whether it's myself or the other lawyers or clerks that are helping you. Uh, we know it's going to be extra hand holding. So I like to break things down as easy as possible. And from the first meeting with the client, we always have intake meetings with our clients. So let's say I get an agreement of purchase and sale. 
Uh, my team will open up the file and then the file goes straight to the lawyer. So the lawyer will have an intake call, which that's what we call it with the client. And they'll go over the entire process right from the beginning. So we open the file, goes to the lawyer, lawyer calls the client and they do an intake call. So we'll talk about our um retainer agreement, uh, what it is exactly that we're doing on the file. Um, we'll go over with them the process that's involved, some of the things that we'll need from them. We'll let them know when they can expect to have their signing appointment. Uh, we'll go through the first time home buyer questions just to make sure that they qualify because you'll be surprised a lot of people um, they think that you can re-qualify for the land transfer tax rebate, which you can't. Once you've owned property or you've been married to somebody that has while you were together, you won't qualify. Or they think if I own property uh, before in the U.S. and now that I'm here in Canada, that they'll still qualify here, but you don't. Anywhere so in the world. Yes, anywhere in the world. So we go through all those questions just to make sure they are, in fact, a first-time homebuyer. And if there's other people on title with them, uh, then they get their proportionate share. So we go over all of that uh, within our initial intake call with them. So they at least know what to expect and how to budget too, because that's part of our retainer, like going over what our fees are, what their disbursements are, which includes the land transfer tax, title insurance, title searches, registration fees from the minister of finance. So there's, you know, our fees, then you have your disbursements, which are like the third party fees that we're going to be paying on your behalf. And some of them fluctuate based on your purchase price, uh, which is the land transfer tax and the title insurance. So we try to go over um, these things with the client so that they can budget so that when it comes time where we ask for all of their closing costs, they're not surprised. Absolutely. Uh, and sorry, uh, I'll just add here, Melissa, I usually clients need to have one and a half percent of whatever the purchase price is in their bank account to show a lender that they can close on a property. But I always tell clients it's closer to three, four percent of your purchase price and that money can go quite quickly. So I'm happy that you're mentioning some of the disbursements that happen above the land transfer tax and the fees for the lawyer because they can be costly. Yeah, because especially title insurance, a lot of people don't really know about it and they don't know how it works. And anything that's over and above $500,000, the price of title insurance goes up. So I'll give you a good example. If your home that you're buying is around a million dollars, your title insurance is probably going to be around $900. So, um, and if it's above a million, then it's probably above a thousand dollars for your just your title insurance alone and that's that's a big expense when you're trying to budget accordingly so um definitely try to break down those numbers for the client so they have a good idea i can't know a hundred percent what the disbursements are going to be but i can give them a good idea on what to expect at least absolutely and so when a client comes to do their signing what typically do they have to be bringing with them in forms of ID or documentation to have a successful and clean signing at the lawyer's office? So everything that they'll need for the signing appointment, we try to tell them from the beginning. So they can either maybe give it to us ahead of time or bring with them. So for example, two pieces of ID, um, it could be basically anything but a health card or a debit card. So driver's license, Ontario ID, firearms, passport, uh, permanent resident, um, social insurance, birth certificate. So these are all forms of ID that we can accept. Uh, again, just not the health card or debit card, which we let them know. 
Um, if they are uh, purchasing, sometimes a lender wants to have their void check of where their mortgage payments are going to be coming out from. So we ask them to get that ready just in case. Um, we also have to let them know you have to make sure that you arrange for your home insurance and that underneath the fire insurance section, they're going to ask for your lender's name and address for service. And sometimes there's other things like there might, they might be picky on guaranteed replacement cost and other items. So we just make sure that they know that again, ahead of time. So title insurance is something different than the fire insurance. And those are two things not (laughs) to be um confused confused. fire insurance you should get on right away title insurance happens at the lawyer office yes yes (laughs) so these are all things we like to tell them from the very beginning so that they're not scrambling last minute but that goes for every client too we just know for first-time home buyers um you might need to like say something more than once or maybe type it out and tell them over the phone, but then also send them an email. Um, Because then you have clients that do this all the time and they kind of already know or they remember it from the last time. So, um, but yeah, with first time home buyers, it's usually more questions, which is okay. We understand it's the first time. It's very stressful. Um, So we try to make it as, as seamless as possible. Yeah, a little bit of extra TLC for the first time buyers. It's a big deal. It's a lot of money that you're transacting with and probably the first time transacting with those amount of funds. So absolutely a little bit more TLC for those folks. So I have a question for you now about purchasing a home. I'm a single female, single income in my scenario, and I want to purchase a home, but I also want my boyfriend to live with me. He is not, however, purchasing the home. So how can I protect myself? So with family law, you are considered common law after living three years with somebody or the the process speeds up once you have a child together. So a great thing to get in place is a cohabitation agreement um, with that person and just make it clear if you were to ever separate uh, what would happen with that home. And even if they are making a contribution, uh, whether that's towards the mortgage payments or towards the down payment, the cohabitation agreement can always outline, again, if you were to ever separate, is somebody getting a portion back of that deposit or how would the proceeds of sale be divided um, if that were the case? Because with a married couple, it's different, uh, but with a common law partner, they can make something called a trust claim. And uh, to avoid that happening, you would want to have that cohabitation agreement in place. So some people, you know, that that is an added extra cost um, by having a lawyer draft that cohabitation agreement. But I'm going to tell you now, it's well worth you spending the money up front, then later on fighting about it. Um, that's where it gets way more costly. Uh, so it's better to just do it right the first time. I know it's an extra cost when you're already buying, but you'd rather really cover your butt um, than to be suffering later on because some people think that it's something simple that's drafted that's just like one or two pages, but it's actually way more in depth uh, than most people think because you have to cover all of your bases. And there's a documentation that gets attached as a schedule and it's called a financial statement. That's where you make financial disclosure. And that's 
super important for any cohabitation agreement, because the first thing that any judge or any lawyer is going to look at is to see if you did proper financials, did both parties have um, independent legal advice. So again, you want to make sure the person that's signing that cohabitation agreement gets independent legal advice, because if they don't, well, they can easily just say, well, I didn't understand the nature and consequences of what I signed. I didn't have a lawyer explain it to me. And then your agreement can be trash. So you want to make sure that you're doing it the right way. And you just do it right the first time. So you don't again suffer later on, because it's very easy to get an agreement thrown out if you weren't doing it the proper way. That part, do it right the first time. Yeah. So my second question is now on the other side of that transaction as a divorce, say, if yeah. what do I have to do to ensure that I can then transact and purchase another home um, in a way that's safe? Uh, so make sure you have your separation agreement. So once you've separated um, from your partner, make sure you're on top of that separation agreement. Again, better to get it done through a lawyer not everyone wants to um but i've seen so many scenarios where somebody else is now purchasing and they're also maybe selling their matrimonial home so um a lawyer should not close on any sale transaction and disperse sale proceeds without a separation agreement and i can't tell you how many times um you know people are depending on that sale money in order to purchase and they're still arguing about how the sale proceeds are going to be divided. So you have to make sure that you're kind of organized and you have all of that planned out before you go buy, um, because a real estate lawyer really shouldn't be dispersing on those sale proceeds without a proper contract in place. And if you do one that's over the internet and you're not getting legal advice and then you're complaining about, you know, well, that's not fair and this isn't fair. They did that before we got married and now you're fighting over money. It's not up to the real estate agent to give you any kind of family law advice or to draw up your contract uh, because then it's a liability on them. So you really have to make sure you have that separation agreement in place first, I would say, before you go out and purchase anything. Absolutely. Even on the lending end, we're going to need a separation ah. agreement to show the lender, to show if you have any income, if you have any alimony, and also for the down payment for the proceeds from the sale of the home. So a separation yeah. agreement um, far and away is the best advice for somebody who's looking to move on from the relationship. Absolutely. Um so we've covered purchasing by yourself, purchasing as a divorce, say, um, are there any tips that you would give to especially first time home buyers um, from the legal end when they're looking to purchase their first home? Yeah. Um, for first time home buyers, definitely make sure you get your approvals to know what you can afford to buy ahead of time. If you need a co-signer or guarantor, make sure you have that person uh, and they're in agreement ahead of time. Because again, sometimes you find a house that you fall in love with. Now you find out you need a co-signer. Um, and then that changes things because now how are you guys going to take title? Um, sometimes we can do contracts where somebody's a beneficial owner, but again, is that something that your lender is going to allow, um, like that trust agreement? So 
definitely knowing what you qualify for. If you need a co-signer, what is that going to look like? How are you guys going to take title? Um, so you can go over all of these things with your lawyer. Um, so definitely financing and knowing what you can do ahead of time is a huge, huge thing, huge factor. And the lawyer's office is not the place to be making those decisions. No, and I'll also not. note here that if you do want somebody to come on to a mortgage application as a guarantor, but you do yeah. not want them on title, then you need to be uh, proactive and do that early in the process because there are yeah. lenders who will not allow that. Some are actually pretty sure sticky. Yeah. Yep. On that. So yeah, absolutely. D the difference between a guarantor and a cosigner is something you can chat about with your mortgage agent and see if that's uh, right for you. Um, yeah. yeah. And you have to make sure that financing is finished and all conditions are fulfilled. And that's why your mortgage agent is bothering you and saying, give me your documents right away because you don't want to be wasting your lawyer's time. And that does get costly. And another thing is... Um understanding when you need a lawyer don't wait until last minute to get one I people always ask me when do you want the agreement I'm like as soon as it's firm <laughs> so as soon as you know that you're buying and it's firm I prefer to have it because what if there's something that I need to look out for or you know I don't know I just I like to know things ahead of time as far in advance as possible so that if something were to pop up um we're not doing things last minute absolutely so, yeah, as soon as it's firm, that's when I want it. Or if I need to obviously review we're ahead of it going firm, uh, send it over right away as soon as you can. Um, that's another uh, big thing. And oh, I had another one and I just forgot. It's okay. I have something to explain. So firm, for those who have not transacted before in real estate, means there's no conditions um, that have been put on. So typically, a first-time home buyer will have a condition of financing. And then my job is to go call around to the lender, make sure everything's good, and then I'll pull the condition off or tell the realtor to pull the condition off. Then it is firm. So that means then you've agreed to proceed with the transaction. Yeah. Yeah. Did it come to you, Melissa? No. It's all good. It's all good. So now I'm going to mine you for a little bit more advice. It's not legal advice, but I want to know what wisdom you can impart on young entrepreneurs, especially females in a male dominated space. Um, I know that's probably something that you deal with day to day, something that in the finance world that I do as well. Um, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts on how you navigate that. <sighs> Honestly, I would say just go for it. Don't care what other people think. Don't cut yourself short and think that you can't do something. My philosophy is just failure for me is just never an option. Like I will literally do what I have to do in order to succeed. Um, and I don't listen to what anyone else has to say. Like I don't listen to the noise. I know I can do it. So I just do it. Um, one thing that has always stuck with me, maybe a little bit cheesy, but on my phone, on the display, and it's been here ever since I opened up my firm, it says everything you want is on the other side of fear. So if you let fear consume your life and you just, you're afraid to take that step, you're not going to get to where you want to go. So um, everything you want is on the other side of fear. So you just go do it. I've had that on my phone forever. And um yeah, it's just about taking that step and don't listen to anyone else. If you believe in yourself, like you, you'll do it. I just don't see how you can. 
And you've made some big, bold steps. So I think that is great advice from you. Thank you so much for that. And with that, I am done with all my questions. Is there anything that you'd like to share or do you want to let us know where we can reach you if somebody has questions for you, Melissa? Yeah, you can always reach out to me by email. I'm pretty responsive. Uh, My email is melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A at douglaslawfirm.ca. Even if you just have a question, I'm happy to answer it for you, Um, whether it's legal or about opening a business. um, I'm here to help. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time today, Melissa. Thank you.